New York City is the largest city in the world and running it is no easy task, particularly during a pandemic. This past year, the city has implemented several mandates, many without precedent based on the pandemic, to help keep residents and visitors safe and incentivize vaccinations. On this episode of Schneps Connects, I have one of the key stakeholders focused on providing clarity on the city's vaccination and test mandates for millions of city workers. Our guest is Kapel Wangani, counsel to the mayor of New York City. Kapel has been a distinguished career in public service. His deep commitment to justice, fairness, and equity has taken him around the globe from implementing South Africa's post-apartheid constitution to serving 8.6 million New Yorkers as chief counsel to the mayor of New York City. As Mayor de Blasio's solution czar and top lawyer, Capel advises the mayor and city hall on high profile and sensitive legal matters affecting the city, including public health and hospitals, schools, law enforcement, criminal justice, union negotiations, economic development, immigration, affordable housing, ethics, and equal opportunity personnel matters. Capel holds an undergraduate degree from Cornell University and legal degrees from the University of Florida, Yale, and Oxford University. Capel also serves as an adjunct professor of law at Brooklyn Law School. I'm happy to welcome Capel Langani, counsel to the mayor of New York City. Great to have you here, Capel. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Josh. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell me a little bit about your background growing up with immigrant parents and how you got started in your career. So Josh, I am the son of immigrants uh, who came here in 1974 from India. And ever since I can remember, I've wanted to serve my community in large part because those are the values that my parents inculcated in me. Uh, I, th I think those values came from coming to this country and understanding how much better we had it here than we did uh, back in India. Mm. Uh, when I graduated from law school and, and received my degree, I remember my grandmother told me, you have a bunch of papers now with a lot of fancy Latin writing on them, but they're only valuable if you use them to make a difference in people's lives. Otherwise, they're just fancy words on a wall and what's the use in that? And those words have rung in my head for my entire life and, and my professional career, frankly. Becoming a public interest lawyer was a natural fit for me because equity, fairness, and justice are the values uh, that drive me every single day. And so it, was, it made a lot of sense to me after I graduated law school uh, to go to South Africa and work on implementing what is at that time, and I still think, the most transcendent constitution in the world, uh, when you're talking about the right to affordable housing, for example. I mean, these were values that meant a great deal to me. And so it was a real privilege to go there and work with people like Archbishop Desmond Tutu and some of the great freedom fighters of that generation. After I left South Africa, I went to work for Judge Roger Gregory, who was the first African-American judge appointed to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals after over 120 some odd years. And you know, Judge Gregory was the son of factory workers, the grandson of sharecroppers. Again, I, I learned an enormous amount from him about equity and fairness. 
Um, and so it was no surprise that after those two jobs uh, that I eventually landed uh, with the great Elijah Cummings, uh, the late great Elijah Cummings, uh, and served as senior counsel to him for several years. And, you know, being mentored by such an iconic leader and legal mind really changed my life. He appointed me as the lead investigator on two of the most important congressional investigations at that time, uh, the investigation into the Flint water crisis and the federal wow. government's response to Hurricane Sandy. Wow. For, you know, Josh, for people of color, these investigations were incredibly important, right? I mean, they focused on issues that fundamentally related to leveling the playing field for people of color. And it was tremendously satisfying to play a significant role in that process. In my, you know, in my current role, uh, I continue to do these, to sort of, I continue to focus on fairness and justice. Uh, you know, I have the distinct privilege of walking into City Hall each and every day with one mandate from my boss to seek justice and fairness every day on behalf of 8.6 million New Yorkers. It's, it's frankly the best job I ever had. And, and recently I was appointed as a senior advisor to the Racial Justice Commission, which has been empowered um, as a charter revision commission as well. Um, and so being able to work on those types of issues as we reevaluate the charter to make it more equitable for all New Yorkers, regardless of the color of one's skin, um, and their economic and social background uh, has been one of the great joys of this job. So I have to imagine that you know, obviously everyone's life changed because of the pandemic, both personal and professional. But, you know, those that are in public office certainly had a change in the scope of their work, particularly in your seat. You know, really, I, I imagine changed a lot of priorities that particularly you were working on pre-pandemic. So how has the scope of your work changed? and you know, really, how has your office played a role? I mean, I, I touched on the different responsibilities that you have, but, but particularly to the COVID-19 crisis, you know, can you share, you know, how your role has changed and, and really what you're responsible for for New York City? Yeah, I mean, look, any significant legal issue that comes before the mayor is going to cross my desk first. Everything is, as you said in your introduction, Josh, from affordable housing to police reform to homelessness to the budget. Um, you know, all of the issues that come across my desk are complex, they're high priority, and they're time sensitive. You know, I never get an issue where the mayor says, you know, take your time, Capel. Uh, they are all very time sensitive and complex. And my job is to digest the issue at hand and figure out a solution as quickly as possible to, to get my boss uh, and senior policymakers at City Hall across the finish line. And our role became even more magnified during the COVID-19 crisis due to the litany of fascinating legal issues we were confronted with in response to the pandemic. Mm. Uh, you know, look, we did everything possible to protect the public health of New Yorkers while respecting the constitution because, you know, the constitution does not die during a crisis. And so we were constantly balancing the rights of New Yorkers with the restrictions that we were putting into place. And every restriction that we put into place 
was done for the explicit purpose of protecting the public health of every single one of our neighbors, family members, etc. Um, from shutdown to reopening to travel checkpoints, the open restaurants program, the standing up of the largest testing and tracing um, entity in the entire country, and now the vaccine rollout. Our office has really been at the center of every single one of these transformative issues. And you know, we're also responsible for drafting every single executive order. And, and so it's been a historic time. It's been an extraordinary uh, effort on behalf of all you know, people in city government, as well as our fellow New Yorkers, because you know, we need the cooperation of everybody to ensure that we are keeping ourselves and our city safe. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the experience has been transformative. I'm not sure, Josh, that we're really going to digest what we've done over the last year and a half until a few years from now. You sure. know, it's sort of like when you're in the midst of a war, the fog of war, it's hard to really uh, distill things down. Um, I'll just say, I feel a great deal of pride um, that me and my team could play a very small role in, in helping to protect uh, our fellow New Yorkers. I have to give a big shout out to New York City Health and Hospitals Corporation, because I'll tell you, you know, their vaccination sites and their sites for testing are, you know, a terrific asset for, for residents and workers in New York City. Uh, I mean, that's 100% right. I think Dr. Mitch Katz is a superstar. He's the head of H&H somebody who is extraordinarily kind, decent, and brilliant. I'm on numerous phone calls with him um, on a daily basis throughout the pandemic. Uh, New Yorkers should feel very, very uh, proud of the fact that we have somebody as brilliant as Mitch Katz leading H&H. &H. And I think, Josh, you've seen on a regular basis just how important H&H &H has been uh, yeah. to protecting the safety of, of New Yorkers. Talk about what the current mandate is for city employees. So beginning on September 13th, uh, the mayor required most city employees to either provide proof of vaccination or weekly proof of a negative COVID test. Some city employees like new hires, healthcare workers, and those employed at the Department of Education are required to be vaccinated and don't have the option of providing a proof of negative test. Um, and of course, what we mean by proof of vaccination is at least one dose. Got it. Um, yeah, with, of course, and, and when you're taking a two-dose regimen, um, you get that second dose uh, within the required time frame. Whether it's Moderna, Pfizer, whatever it is, uh, you get that second dose. But in order to uh, adhere to the vaccine mandate, all you need is that initial dose. Um, and then if it's not Johnson & Johnson, uh, which is, of course, a single dose, uh, if it is Pfizer or Moderna, you need to go ahead and get that second dose in the required time frame. So New York City has a huge workforce, but I think New York City school teachers are, are particularly very largely public facing, especially as a parent. Talk about the current standing uh, and where you see it going, because as of now, it, it's been held up a little bit. But what do you see in terms of uh, the future for uh, the mandate for, for school teachers? Yeah, that, it's a great question, Josh. 
as as you know and have been covering uh, accurately, there has been a series of litigations that have taken place both at the state and federal level regarding uh, the D Department of Education vaccine mandate. The good news is that we have won all of those challenges and the vaccine mandate is in effect. Are there any exceptions currently in place for city employees? Yes, as you know, of course, as with everything else, the city adheres to local, state, and federal law, which requires that we provide reasonable accommodations to those who uh, to those who meet the criteria for a reasonable accommodation, be it medical or religious. So, in many ways, New York City is looked at under a microscope and really looked at it as a leader across the nation, across the world for other cities. How do you see the decisions that you, your office is making and the mayor of New York City um, is mandating? How do you see them having an effect on cities across the nation and really across the world? Well, Josh, I think from the very beginning, New York City has led the way. The mayor has used every tool in his toolbox to protect the public safety of New Yorkers. And I think the rest of the country recognizes that. I lead a working group with my peers and from across every major city in this country. And I can't tell you how often they will say, we are so impressed by what you all are doing in New York City to protect the people in your city. And so I hope everything from key to NYC to the vaccine mandate for our uh, city workers is a model for other cities around the country and frankly, across the world to follow. You know, talk a little bit about Key to NYC for those that aren't familiar with it. Key to NYC is one of the most innovative programs, I think, anywhere in the country, frankly, uh, anywhere in the world. It's a part of New York City's historic effort to encourage New Yorkers to get vaccinated. Basically, it requires people uh, who go to indoor entertainment, indoor restaurants, or indoor gyms to get vaccinated. Uh, before entering any of those areas. And I think what we've seen is a significant number of people um, take advantage of, you know, the opportunity because, because look, people find these activities to be a part of their daily life. So as, as I said, the purpose of Keto NYC is to encourage people to get vaccinated who go to indoor entertainment, indoor recreation, indoor dining and fitness establishments. And it applies to employees, patrons, interns, contractors, volunteers, uh, et cetera. And for people that want information, we published a frequently asked questions document, uh, my office did, and you can find it on nyc.gov. You could also find it on uh, the Council to the Mayor website as well. And it provides uh, a detailed question and answer for the key to NYC process, the types of establishments who are subject to the order, uh, the types of proof that are necessary and accepted, questions about reasonable accommodations and enforcement, et cetera. So feel free to take a look at that if you have any further questions. Terrific. You know, there's a question I love to ask of people and I, and I think it's, it's one that I would love to hear from you. What have you learned about leadership uh, throughout this uh, COVID-19 response? 
I've had the great privilege of learning from some great leaders in my career, from Judge Roger Gregory, the Chief Judge of the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, to the late, great Elijah Cummings, to my current boss, the Mayor of New York City. These leaders were equal parts inspiring, brilliant, decisive, and willing to take bold risks for the greater good. They all thrived when the pressure was at its apex. COVID, in many ways, was a time that demanded the best from all New Yorkers, including me. It required people to be leaders. For me, that meant working 24-7 under tremendous pressure and thinking through some really exceptionally difficult problems that no law school can actually prepare you to answer. The circumstances forced my team to be bold, creative, and to come up with novel solutions to tough problems in a matter of minutes. The last thing I'll say about leadership is that you're never going to win every battle. And you know that as a good leader. Not being successful or failing, whatever word you want to use, that's just a part of life. But good leaders learn from those mistakes. And the lessons you learn are invaluable. And in COVID, we've learned a tremendous amount from COVID. And it was an honor and privilege to play a very small role during the COVID crisis. A lot of people woke up every day here in New York wondering what they could do to help their neighbors. We knew, my team knew what we could do. The people in New York City inspired us every single day. And it gave us a great amount of fulfillment to do something to benefit our fellow New Yorkers. As a leader, part of your job is ensuring that no matter what problem or crisis arises, your team reacts the same way. They maintain the same level of intensity and excellence. And I'm really proud to say that my team not only answered the bell every time, they did so with that same level of excellence. Um, and I think in large part, it was because of their deep reverence and love for their city. So I feel very much that the lessons I learned from the great leaders I worked for were very, very helpful in steering my team through this incredibly difficult time. This crisis more than anything has shown how important leadership is in government. Uh, we saw what happened at the federal level. Uh, there was a real gap in terms of leadership. I think there was, throughout the COVID crisis, people were thirsty for information. And I think it was really critical that that information was provided to the public in a timely way and also in a really accurate way. That's one of the reasons that my office began to publish frequently asked questions on a regular basis, right? You know, we were the primary legal liaison to the state and we assumed the task of translating state executive orders into frequently asked questions documents along with our own executive orders. As you remember, Josh, people were getting, you know, two, three orders a day, um, you know, multiple orders a week. And I thought it was critical that people understood what was being expected of them. Uh, you know, my mother is a small business owner and I remember she called me one time and said, you know, Capel, it'd be really great if there was a document that people could read that would explain to a layperson what these executive orders actually mean. And, you know, I took that to heart and with the mayor's support, um, we put that information out on a regular basis so that people could digest these orders and, and apply them in a way uh, that, that would be useful to them and their business. I mean, look, the, the virus didn't sleep and, and neither did we. 
circumstances mm -hmm. changed frequently, not just on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis, but hour to hour, minute to minute. And, you know, leadership, when you talk about leadership, you know, the mayor has continued to do almost daily press conferences on a regular basis. When you don't have, you know, there was a time when the press corps was not in city hall, everything was being done virtually, right? And so it was really critical for the mayor to get out every single day and talk to people about what was happening uh, on a regular basis. And we followed suit in my office to provide information uh, to people. I think that's a critical component of leadership is making sure that people understand what they're expected to do. And also they have to, not only, not only do we have to gauge their expectations, but we also have to make sure that people know like what will happen from an enforcement perspective if they don't follow these regulations, right? There were so many of those questions that needed to be answered. And a great part of leadership is ensuring that your constituents understand what's happening in a very clear manner. And I thought the mayor was did, did a fantastic job throughout the pandemic on that issue. Yeah, getting the facts and getting them timely is critical. So, so where can city workers, residents, and visitors find the most updated information related to, you know, whether it's vaccine mandates and requirements or just the facts on vaccinations? Josh, you're, there are a couple of great resources for your listeners to go to. One, you can always go to our website. We always have the latest executive orders and information, um, whether it's a commissioner's order, an executive order, a board of health order. You can go to council to the mayor. Uh, and you can go to www.nyc.gov slash council to the mayor. You can also go to the Department of Health website, which also has all of the commissioner's orders um, in a very easy to read format. So those are the two places I would go to. Terrific. Well, Capel, thank you so much for keeping our city safe and the work that you do and city government does on behalf of all of us. Thank you, Josh. I very much appreciate the time. Make sure to check out a new episode of Schneps Connects every week, wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs>